The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street. Here is your top five at five. Stocks working to rebound from the Tuesday takedown. Futures and Europe are both higher. Is YouTube getting Netflixed? Alphabet reporting weaker than expected earnings on a big TV revenue miss. That stock down ahead of the open. The flip side... Microsoft, big earnings there, and shares are popping more than 5%, helping the entire market right now. Overseas, the European energy crisis taking a turn for the worse. Russia cutting off gas supplies to two countries. But in markets, it's not all bad. Your morning RBI lays out some under-the-radar stocks that are making investors money. It is Wednesday, April 27th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange to kick off your day. Let's get right to it and hit these markets after Tuesday's shellacking futures. They are showing a bit of a turnaround here. In fact, we are higher across the board. Dow futures up about 280, just under 1%. NASDAQ futures up about the same on a percentage basis. All that after one of the worst days for stocks in a long time. With the Dow falling more than 800 points or 2%. But that wasn't the story. The NASDAQ dropping more than 500 or nearly 4%. And I'm not sure we've ever said that before. But on a Tuesday, only two NASDAQ 100 stocks rose. Yesterday, that was it. Two O'Reilly Automotive and Cadence Design Systems. That's it. All right, we're ahead of the open this morning. The Dow is more than 10% now off its all-time high. The S&P down 13, the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000, they are in bear market territory, down more than 20% from their highs. Transports, they're getting close. Transport index down 19%. Trucking rates really beginning to come down in just the last couple of weeks as there is a real worry about demand destruction in the U.S. economy. Let's also check the bond market, the 10-year yield. It continues to back up. It is under 2.8% right now. So we're seeing buyers come into bonds that yield at 2.77%. In the oil market, crude oil showing slight gains off the overnight, but is actually down about a buck a barrel from 24 hours ago. It rose on Tuesday as Russian oil flows look increasingly at risk around the world. And though we are off our recent highs, crude oil is now on pace for five straight months of gains. We're at 102 and change here, 105 overseas. And in crypto, we're seeing Bitcoin at a six-week low. It is back below 39,000. It shows it's higher there, but of course, it really never closes. So I'm not sure what it's higher or lower ever off of. I can just kind of give you the price. It's at 38,000 and change there for Bitcoin. All the major averages on crypto are lower than they were one day ago. Two single stocks certainly get a lot of attention today. That is Microsoft and Alphabet. First up, Google's Alphabet, a big miss in the YouTube ad business, hitting sentiment. Now, the stock is not down too much, down about 2.5%, likely because the board also approved a $70 billion stock buyback. 
Painting a different picture is Microsoft. That was a top and bottom line beat. They also put out an upbeat third quarter forecast. Microsoft shares up nicely, more than 5%. As always, much more on those two all morning and all day right here on CNBC. All right, let's get a check down the global picture. Emily Tan is in Hong Kong with the overnight Asia trade. Juliana Tattlebaum in London. But let's start with Emily and begin with you because what happened overnight in Asia has continued fears of more mass lockdowns, shocked investors in the world, but the markets, they held up okay. Oh, we had markets, Brian, in Asia ending mostly lower on Wednesday. Investors remaining anxious over the prospects of U.S. rate hikes, the Ukraine war, and of course the economic slowdown and COVID in China. Japanese markets closed at a two-week low, down 1.1%. Amongst the biggest losers was robot maker Fanuc after it missed expectations for annual operating profit. Sauce maker Kikkoman tumbling more than 12%, but outperforming were the beer makers Asahi up more than 4%. After saying it would raise prices, Sapporo and Kirin also getting a lift. Korean markets were dragged down by losses in memory chip as well as battery stocks. The Kospi closed down more than 1%. SK Hynix falling after posting below consensus Q1 earnings. Australian shares getting dragged down by tech as well as banking stocks. That's after inflation data stoking concerns of a rate hike. Core CPI surging the highest in two decades to 3.7%. Outperforming though were the Chinese and Hong Kong markets. The China stocks rebounding sharply, uh, coming off a two-year low. Hopes that the country would prioritize economic growth and fine-tune its draconian antivirus policies. A zero-tolerance policy in the COVID fight at the current stage is to eliminate outbreaks rather than the virus. The Shanghai Composite gaining 2.5%. Here in Hong Kong, we just eked out a fractional gain and the losses in Alibaba and Tencent outshining those of Meituan gains. That's a look at the Asian market trade. I'm Emily Tan in Hong Kong. Back to you. All right, Emily, thank you very much. Getting now the early trade in Europe and Juliana Tattlebaum. Julie, Markets there again holding up despite some of that Russia gas news. They are, Brian, and it's been interesting because um, clearly this is a, a downside risk for Europe with Russia cutting off gas supplies to Bulgaria and Poland. And the question now, will more countries be added to the list? But as for European markets, they've been very resilient to the confirmation of this news. It was well flagged. It was expected, but a big story nevertheless. So it seems like European markets are tracking U.S. futures, which, as you uh, pointed out, Brian, are moving higher this morning. The overall market is up about 0.4 percent. Turning to the different regions, this is what the split looks like. It's green across the board, so a fairly broad-based rebound taking shape here. No major moves, but it's worth noting we opened in the red, fairly heavy selling in the first half an hour of trade, but then positive momentum came through, perhaps a little bit of that uh, positive momentum coming from the China session, as Emily just pointed out. From a sector perspective, this is what the picture looks like. Looks like we do have a number of earnings in focus today in the banking sector in particular. Overall, we're up about six-tenths of a percent there. The outperformers, basic resources and autos, perhaps linked to the China story, given how important the uh, China market is to these sectors with the central bank and authorities in China pledging support to help the economy. On the downside, we've got real estate, media and telecoms underperforming. But overall, Brian, it is a, a fairly a solid session shaping up here this morning. All right, Juliana Tadabam, a little good news there. Juliana, thank you very much. All right, let's dive more now into the markets and your money. Joining us, Delano Sapporu, founder and CEO of New Street Advisors Group, and Matt Maley, chief market strategist 
at Miller Tabak. Uh, Matt, you've been warning about a decline. You talked about uh, support holding at 3,800. If we broke through the March lows on the S&P 500, obviously futures, they are higher right now. But what do you think was the catalyst for yesterday? I don't want to be backward looking, but that was a flush. I mean, that was two stocks in the NASDAQ 100 rows. Two. Yeah, that's a, I mean, on, on a short-term basis, that's a positive sign because, uh, you know, earlier, this, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, on last Friday, we had a huge uh, uh, jump in volume. Uh, and uh, so, and we've had some other, uh, some negative uh, breath days that were not comparable to yesterday, but quite bad. However, uh, you know, the people were talking about a situation here where, where if people are suddenly talking about a repricing of risk or repricing of valuations. I mean, I'm not sure, really, really sure why this is a surprise to them. I mean, I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. I mean, we have the Federal Reserve uh, going from a massive, massive liquidity, uh, providing all this massive liquidity to a situation where they're not only not providing it anymore, but they're tightening. Uh, so we have to have this, this, this kind of revaluation. And so uh, I think we're going to have to see uh, more downside. You know, th this pop we're seeing this morning could last for several days. Um, but, you know, we got the Fed meeting next week. Uh, I think, we, the, 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 you know, that 3,800 level that I've been talking about is something we could definitely reach. Delano, I got to imagine you're taking some nervous calls from your clients. there, wondering, hey, I've lost money. Maybe if I bought late last year, do I sell now, take the loss? Do I ride this out? What, it's a nervous time. The VIX is up. Stocks are getting hammered. What are you advising your clients and our viewers to do right now? Yep. Yep. Morning, Brian. Morning, Matt. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we're looking at. Obviously, you know, everyone is seeing, you know, what's going on in the market. And that does bring some nervous times for people. But a couple of things I look at, especially for younger investors, which a lot of my clients are, we're kind of focusing on the long term perspective. Right. So we mentioned what's been going on, but there also are some opportunities for people that have more of a longer term investment horizon. Right. Like you're looking at what's happening with earnings so far. Seventy six percent of the S&P 500 companies have beat earnings estimates. And you're looking at some of the things that's been tracking as far as profit, about a 7% year-over-year growth, according to Bloomberg. So we're really seeing some positive signs above the muckiness uh, in the overall market. Uh, but it is a time for people to be careful in a situation where you look at how much cash do you want to have on hand and where do you want to look for opportunities, when, it, especially when it comes to valuation, as Matt was talking about. A lot of such growth and, and tech companies have re-rated where their valuations look yeah. a lot more attractive than they did maybe a year or two years ago. So that's what we're looking at, and we're really assessing that pretty hard there, Brian. Uh, Delano, I'm going to come back to you. You said a lot, of your, a lot of your clients are younger. Now, if you're in the market under two years, you've only known good times, right? Obviously, the pandemic sent the markets crashing. That was short-lived. A bunch of money was thrown at it. Stock surged. So if you've been in the market two years, you've only known sort of an up market, minus like a little percenter here, here or two. Longer term investors know that these kinds of things do happen. They can be painful. They're nauseating on the way down, certainly, but they, but they do happen before. What kinds of questions are you getting from your clients? What are they worried about? I think the main thing people kind of assess is, you know, how long are we going to see this? And um, the big thing is obviously no one can tell. No one has that crystal ball. But I, I do have to say that a lot of people, a lot of clients and just in general, people are resilient to the fact that 
they, they haven't seen anything like this, as you mentioned, in this you know one or two year time frame. But they do have a little bit more optimism um, as opposed to pessimism when it comes to this, right? So they are asking for that. Like they do wonder how long we can see some of these things, especially geopolitical risk, inflation. We have the inflation report coming on Friday, so looking at if there's any peak. So so people are just wondering, you know, where cash can be held that there could be a benefit for that fit, that fit for them right now, and that's the big yeah. question that you're seeing from people. Well, Matt, answer maybe the question Delano's getting because you talked about how long, right? Well, we know the financial crisis, the market from peak to trough there, July of 2007 to I think it was January of 2009, 18 months. The Nasdaq tech crash, that was just over two years. This is largely the Federal Reserve's doing. I'm not sure anybody has confidence they can get us out of it unless they flip their script completely. How long do you think this could last? Well, I certainly think it could last through the year. I mean, the thing is, nothing moves in a straight line. And I think Delano makes some some very good points about uh, you don't want to panic with this situation. This is, you know, the bear market was steep corrections, bear markets. They're normal. And as you just said, yes, they're very painful. But for those, if you step back and, you know, maybe you raise a little cash on on, on bounces, you know, I've been saying since the beginning of the year, we should raise some cash. And, and, and then so then we get kind of get that flush. And I do think we will get that because there's still so much leverage in the marketplace. Well, as they deleverage, at some point, we're going to get uh, that kind of flush. Maybe that doesn't happen until uh, later in the year, like the September, October timeframe that, that we frequently get it. Uh, but either way, those who have that little cash on hand are going to be able to take advantage of it. They'll be the ones who don't panic. They'll be, be the ones who keep their heads while others around them are losing theirs. And they'll be really be able to benefit. Uh, those who are selling at those times who have no cash on hand, they'll be selling at the absolute worst time. So uh, I agree with Delano. We, we definitely, uh, people stay calm. Uh, we may have to, just, I think we're going to have to spend the rest of the year kind of doing this. Uh, but if you uh, play it out in a yeah. smart way with uh, a, a smart strategy, uh, you can come out on the other side very, very strongly. Well, guys, listen, we appreciate your steady hands. I think we're going to have to get some coffee mugs made up that say <laughs> stay calm and invest on. We'll send them both to you guys because you're supposed to buy low and sell higher. Delano and Matt, real pleasure. Guys, thank you for the steady hand. Have a great day. Thank you, All right, now to some of this morning's other big headlines and a tough time to be a Robinhood employee. It is laying off 9% of its full-time staff. CEO Vlad Tenev saying the layoffs are aimed at reducing the number of duplicate jobs within that brokerage house. All that as Robinhood stock collapses. Tesla shares bouncing back today after falling 12% yesterday. That move wiping away more than $125 billion in investor value. Tesla shares are up a couple of ticks right now. And Pfizer and BioNTech formally asking the FDA to authorize a third dose of their vaccine for kids 5 to 11 years old. The pair is submitting for an emergency use authorization for the booster after a study showed a strong immune response among healthy kids in that age group. All that as some countries start to end their vaccination programs. And finally, shares of Enphase jumping after first quarter results top expectations. The battery and solar company also giving optimistic guidance for the current quarter. Enphase shares up just over 7%. All right, folks, we are glad you are up with us, and we are just getting started when we come back. China's zero-COVID policy, a humanitarian and economic story, now hitting one of the most important global business sectors hard. One big player is speaking out. Plus... The global energy crisis hitting a new pitch as Russia begins weaponizing natural gas. Later, 
massive breakup fee Elon Musk will owe Twitter if financing is not secured. Very busy hour still ahead. Futures, they're higher. And we're back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back and good uh, Wednesday morning. Let's get a check down some of the big tech names that got absolutely walloped in your tech tumble yesterday. Some of the FANG stocks here and where they stand for the most recent highs at Meta, Facebook, down 23% from its high of late last year. Amazon off 26%. Apple holding up better than most, down 14 Alphabet is down 22 But Netflix, it is down 72% from its high. It's wiped out three quarters of investor value. By the way, random but interesting, this is Netflix's third time that it has lost 70% of its value since it began as a public company. Just kind of something maybe to tuck in the back of your big brain there. In the pre-market right now, we are seeing some of these stocks turn around kind of mixed. We're seeing Amazon, Apple, and Netflix a little bit higher. Google and Facebook, they are a bit lower, but no huge moves either way. All right, now let's get some more big money movers on this Wednesday. Stock number one, Texas Instruments. Shares are falling on a cautious outlook. It's not over sales, but on the impact of ongoing lockdowns in China and on the current quarter. That stock lower. Stock two, Visa. Shares rising. Second quarter results topping expectations. Some good news. Visa also giving an upbeat view on the spending landscape, saying that inflation and Russia's war are not dampening spending, at least not yet. In stock three, Chipotle. Shares also climbing as it navigates higher prices, earnings and revenue beating the street. And Chipotle saying that for now, customers are willing to pay more for its food and help to offset surging labor and input costs. All right, still on deck. Stock futures, they are bouncing back. They are higher across the board. And coming up, we're going to break down the recent tech takedown and also the impact of Russia cutting off gas from two European nations. There's a lot to get to on this Tuesday, and we're back with it in two minutes. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back. It was not just technology stock that faced heavy selling pressure on Tuesday. Consumer discretionary also getting walloped. In fact, overall, as a sector, consumer discretionary down more than 20% from its most recent high. So technically, we'd say in a bear market, a lot of concerns about demand destruction and that consumer spending swoon. Some of the biggest droppers in the space, you got names like Penn National Gaming, Wynn Resorts, Under Armour, and Etsy. Now, they're all higher right now, but they're down big from their most recent highs. Again, a lot of concern about travel consumer spending coming up in the second half of the year. Right now, everybody's enjoying it, but what happens later on in the year is the big worry. All right, well, there is a huge piece of news getting lost maybe in all the stock market headlines, one that may be contributing to a lot of the recent volatility, and that is that Russia has cut off natural gas supplies to Poland and Bulgaria. They did that yesterday. They have refused to give in to Vladimir Putin's demand that so-called unfriendly nations pay for Russian gas in rubles. Well, these countries won't do it. State-owned energy giant Gazprom saying supplies will be halted until those payments are made. Bulgaria says it has already fulfilled its obligations under its contract with Gazprom. Poland has repeatedly said it will not pay for gas in rubles and it will not extend its contract with Gazprom when it expires at the end of the year. Poland says its gas storage is 76% full and it does not need to draw on reserves Poland has been smart building up supplies, including being the biggest buyer of American liquefied natural gas. Bulgaria, a bit of a different story. They get about 75% of their gas from Russia, and they have few immediate options to replace it. Pray for good weather there. This move by Russia jacking up natural gas costs once again. Spot market futures in Europe is going to keep the economic pressure certainly on the entire continent and contribute to their growing energy crisis, gas futures, at 106 euros per megawatt hour, you convert that to U.S. dollars and how we would price it, that 106 is about 39 to $40 per MBTU. So we quote natural gas at six and six bucks and change. They're paying just under 40 on the spot market. Let's talk more now about all the implications of this. Joining us now is Shi Nan, a commodity market analyst with Rystad Energy. Uh, welcome. Uh, Poland has been smart. They've been planning for this for a while. They're effectively just ending their contract early. Bulgaria, a different story. But do you think that this Russia strategy will then convert? Poland and Bulgaria are one thing. Germany, France, Spain, they're a different story. Do you think Russia will extend this to other nations? Um, I think this is the first shot from Russia back at the West, of course, starting from Poland and Bulgaria. Just these two countries have alternatives. As I mentioned earlier, Poland um, has underground storage, uh, 75% full, about twice as high as its normal level at uh, the time of the year. Uh, it also has LNG imports through the terminal, has uh, been running at capacity at the moment, and they also have um, two pipelines uh, coming up uh, 
from uh, Lithuania in May and also from Norway uh, by the end of the year from October. Um, but uh, larger countries like uh, Germany and Italy, they rely highly on Russian gas. And those countries, especially Germany, has not really much option to go with other source of supply. Um, so when it comes to paying your rubies, uh, it's it's really an individual TSO, transmission uh, system operator, discussing, negotiating with Gazprom. And they usually come at different times. And also uh, the requirements that Gazprom yeah. or Russia uh, does is uh, you open a separate account in Gazprom Bank. Uh, in practice, it's doable. I just wonder, though, how long these prices, like I said, they're paying 106 per euro megawatt hour converted. That's high 30s, maybe 40 U.S. dollars per MBTU. That's the unit that we show our viewers here when we show the natural gas board. So they're paying effectively six to seven times what we are paying here on the spot market. How long is that sustainable before there is severe economic and demand destruction. Uh, yes. So in Europe, uh, the price TTF today is traded uh, about $40 per MBTU. But if we look back in March, early March, when the war started, uh, the price uh, at the time went above $100 per MBTU. So the, the fear was much higher back then than now. But still, as the war is um, uh, escalating and the concerns uh, arising, especially from today, when the cuts uh, really happened. So we think the $40 per MTU is, uh, is not going away anytime soon. So the market is still tight. It's more the concern is still there. Not going away anytime soon, despite a new pipeline from Lithuania to Poland. Uh, Shinan of Rystad Energy. We appreciate your insight and views. Thank you very much, folks. I want you to think about that. The spot market for natural gas in Europe is six to seven times what we are paying for here. That's trickling through electricity prices, manufacturing costs, anything with natural gas, fertilizers, gonna stay high for a long time. Europe is facing a really tough go. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. Markets looking to chip away at Tuesday's steep drop, but some stocks actually bucking the selling trend. That's right, there are names that have done well. It's not all doom and gloom out there. Your morning RBI will show you some under-the-radar stocks that are actually doing great lately. A little sunshine in your coffee. We're back right after this. It's a new day. Stocks trying to make a comeback from the Tuesday takedown. Stock futures, they are higher, coming off one of the worst days of the year. Can earnings and buybacks turn it around? Microsoft popping right now as investors love their numbers. Apple and Intel are on tap this week. Google coming in hot with a $70 billion buyback. And it's not all bad out there. Your morning RBI finding some stocks that have been making investors a lot of money lately. Names you may not have heard about, but you will on this Wednesday, April 27th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Let's get right now to it and hit these markets after Tuesday's shellacking where stocks got hammered across the board. 
But right now, things are looking a little bit better. Kind of an odd trade overnight. At one point, right when the market closed, NASDAQ futures fell 700 points, probably either one big trade, maybe one bad trade. It looked ugly at the time. It's looking a lot better now. It's not looking great, but futures there are higher about one. We'll be generous. We'll round up, call it 1% gains across the board. Dow futures up 350, NASDAQ up 126. All that, though, coming off one of the worst days of the year for stocks. NASDAQ fell more than 500 points or nearly 4%. So even the kind of gains we get, let's say futures stick around, we do this, we're not going to gain back even half of what we lost yesterday. Still, we're in the green. How bad was it for market internals on Tuesday? Well, only two NASDAQ 100 stocks rose. Two. The O'Reilly Automotive and Cadence Design Systems. If you own those or work for them, pat yourself on the back. You were the only ones higher in the NASDAQ 100. As stocks continue to fall, bonds are starting to get bought. And with borrowing costs coming down a touch, we see bond yields now back below 2.8%. The 10-year at about 2.77. All right, so today is looking a bit better. But if you happen to miss much of yesterday, and by the way, it was ugly. We wouldn't blame you if you did. Let's dig in a bit on just how bad it was. Some of the hardest hit big name stocks. Tesla down 12%, wiping out $125 billion in market value. And as we have said on this show, traders tell me Tesla's not important to the stock market. In some ways, it is the stock market because the amount of futures and derivative contracts based on its stock. Also tumbling yesterday, GE losing 10%. Warner Brothers Discovery, they're down 8%. Also, the GOAT stocks let out the slaughter. Remember, the GOAT are sort of tongue-in-cheekly named get-out-and-travel names. Well, travel demand right now is sky high, but with inflation and soaring prices, the market clearly concerned that a slowdown could be coming. And look at what happened on Tuesday. JetBlue lost 10%. Carnival and Norwegian Cruises off 6 Win down 5%. So travel stocks took a hit as well. But as we have said before, Yesterday's shellacking and the pre-market action is all about tech with the NASDAQ coming off its worst single-day session since September with a nearly 4% loss. But every day on Wall Street is a new day. Let's take a look at some of the biggest stocks in the index and the market as a whole ahead of the open. You've got, of course, Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call it. These are down from their highs, 14%, 26%. Netflix down 72% from its most recent high. So those are, all, those are not right now. I know it's a little confusing. Those are down from their all-time highs. Well, speaking of Google, those losses likely to accelerate a little bit this morning after reporting weaker than expected earnings and sales for the first quarter. The biggest weak spot, YouTube, actually, reporting a huge miss as its digital ad market gets hit hard. Think about that with Netflix, CNN Plus, now YouTube coming in week. What's going on? The kids just not watching any kind of TV, I guess. All right, that despite, by the way, for Google, a $70 billion stock buyback. That's likely mitigating some of those declines. On the flip side, Microsoft, a bright spot this morning, beating estimates across the board. Current quarter forecasts also coming in strong. That stock up. 5% right now. Joining us now is James Chalkmock, partner and tech analyst at Clockwise Capital. Uh, James, good to have you on. Really need it because this is the first week in a long time, if not ever, 
that Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Intel all reported in the same week. It's early yet. I know it feels like Friday already, doesn't it? Uh, What's your takeaway on both Microsoft and Alphabet? Listening to that just now, it felt like a roller coaster. Um, I think, first of all, investors just need to take a breather. I mean, were NASDAQ companies really worth 4% less yesterday than they are uh, than the day before? I mean, I I think the, the thing is, this is not really about the Fed rate hikes, 25 bips, 50 bips. I mean, this is all about the fact that investors simply just don't know with a high degree of confidence where these growth rates will land because all the demand was pulled forward during COVID. And what does it look like as we comp those high numbers going forward? And you can extrapolate the same thing with GDP. You know, GDP accelerated. Obviously, there has to be a slowdown um, uh, subsequent to that. So I think with the demand pulled forward, what investors need to ascertain right now is which of these companies will mean revert back uh, to the growth curves that we had prior to COVID and which ones will not. And I think you can make the argument with all of these big tech companies that they are likely to revert, with the exception of probably Facebook, back to the way things were. And But probably some of them will uh, revert back to even better rates uh, because the world, and you can extrapolate that from last night's results, the world after COVID moved in Microsoft's favor. And you're seeing where the growth rates have actually landed higher than where they were yeah. pre-COVID. Google the Why? world somewhat shifted what did, away. What did Satya Nadella, James, what did, what did Microsoft do? They bought LinkedIn a few years ago. That was mm-hmm. pre-COVID. I get it. What has Microsoft done that has been so good? I mean, I use Excel and Outlook. Yeah. That's kind of it. Where are they winning? It's a great question. And, and the, what they did is the common theme for the companies that will define the future. What Satya Nadella did for Microsoft is it made it a cloud-first company. I mean, everything that they do has moved to a subscription and SaaS-based model. Um, cloud-based services obviously are cloud-based, and and um, uh, every product and service is built on the cloud and leverageable and and scalable in a in a uh, incredibly efficient way uh, going forward. And and the tools that they provide help businesses run their businesses better, uh, especially as we move from a physically bounded to a digitally unbounded world. And, and Microsoft is, is at the center of that. Google, on the flip side, um, has, is still very much cent- uh, centric to uh, the digital world. But when, you know there is emerging competition and, and more services, and people um, explored those services uh, during COVID. And... Um, now, I, I would not extrapolate and say YouTube, big miss and all that. You know, yes, TikTok and all that is 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 um, facing um, so yeah. providing some competition, but the subscriptions are growing and and the uh, organic content is still very much there. So, um, Google, I think, is more status quo. Microsoft, yeah, great. James plus one. Good. St- how important is Apple? Their earnings and their guidance. I. Uh, I think it's important. I think that's going to be a tricky one because you obviously you have the the China exposure there, um, but but that's one where I think the world also shifted in Apple's favor, uh, similar to Microsoft, because now you're increasingly dependent. You're working from home. You have less IT departments. You're increasingly dependent on Apple services to fulfill uh, uh, your work needs, 
And, and you're more and more reliant on Apple devices and, and privacy and, and things of that nature to run your life, uh, both uh, professionally and personally. So um, it's going to be a tricky quarter um, with, with the China exposure. But I think fundamentally long term, this is also another one that will revert back to the original growth curve that we had. So long term, we still like it. Our long-term still like it. Like you said, a tricky one. That is going to be a big-time number when it rolls out. James Chalkmock, Clockwise. We appreciate it, James, as always. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. All right, coming up, your morning RBI and finding maybe some opportunity in these down markets. The stocks bucking the downtrends, in some cases hitting all-time highs. May have some new names for you, by the way. But as we head to break, a couple of other key headlines happening right now. Elon Musk on the hook for $1 billion of his bid to buy Twitter falls through. A new SEC filing showing Musk would be required to pay a billion-dollar termination fee if the deal does not happen. Could we have a big toy deal? Shares of Mattel surging on reports it has held talks with private equity firms about a possible sale. Apollo Global and L. Catterton among the apparent suitors for Mattel. And shares of Lucid also higher this morning after locking in a deal with the Saudi government for up to 100,000 of its electric cars over the next decade. Deliveries are set to begin next year. Worldwide Exchange back in a moment. All right, welcome or welcome back. The good news, stock futures, they are higher right now. We're seeing gains across the board. NASDAQ up 123, Dow up 350. The not so good news with Tuesday's hammering, many of the lockdown favorites continue to get put down, losing investors a lot of cash. Let's kill the music if we can and take a look at some of these moves from all time highs. Thank you. Pinduo Duo and Zoom down 76% from their all time high. DocuSign and PayPal each losing 73%, and former fang darling Netflix, it has lost 72% of investor value in just a few months. Although, keep in mind, this is actually the third time Netflix stock is down more than 70% since it became public 20 years ago. Recovered the other times. What's going to happen this time? Only time will tell. All right, let's get more key stock headlines happening now. It is a busy week after all. General Motors shares are higher. The automaker reaffirming its earnings expectations for the year. Profits and margins dropping in the first quarter due to rising costs and supply chain issues. CEO Mary Barra also announcing GM will start tying a significant part of its long-term executive compensation with that company's EV goals. Mary Barra joining Squawk Box at 8.15 a.m. Eastern this morning. Stock 2, Skechers. Shares jumping on better-than-expected first-quarter results. Shoemaker seeing increases in both domestic and international sales thanks to strength in the wholesale business. And stock three, Juniper Network, shares dropping as it warns it expects, quote, elevated costs throughout the year as it works through supply chain disruptions. A networking company also reporting mixed first quarter results. Well, today's RBI is going all in on the stock market because it has been a brutal tape lately. Yesterday just added to much of that misery with some of the biggest one-day drops that we have seen in a while. And while it certainly can be painful day-to-day, remember, as Jim Cramer says, there's always a bull market somewhere. And as hard as it is to believe, there are stocks and sectors going up, even making new highs, which is all pretty amazing in this market. So instead of piling on with the pain, 
let's get random but interesting on some things that have been working lately. Of course, it doesn't mean they're going to keep going up, but at least we can put them on your radar. All right, first up, some of the oil and gas stocks going up yesterday. You know all the big ones that move, but these may not get as much attention because the refinery stocks, they are really outperforming, especially Tuesday. Names like Valero and Midcaps, like PBF and Delec, they actually rose yesterday. Marathon Petroleum and RPC, which, by the way, is the company we talked about the other day as well, also doing well. So no doubt you've heard a lot about energy this year, but it's not just about those. Actually, there's a good number of non-energy winners lately. So some stocks at or near all-time highs include J&J and Coca-Cola, both maybe helping keep the Dow from sinking even more. Take a look at Cerner and WEC Energy. That's the old Wisconsin Electric, also popping lately. And speaking of momentum, some really interesting stocks that we don't talk about much doing well this month, even as the macro markets have been, dare we say, pretty awful. Look at these April returns. Ross Stores, it's up 14% in April. Kimberly Clark, hey, everybody needs toilet paper. It's up 13%. Lamb Weston Holdings, who? It's not Smith & Wesson. This is Lamb Weston. They're a potato provider. You want fries with that? Well, a lot of people do. And Lamb Weston stock is up 11% in April. Also, some smaller stocks rocking lately. You got SailPoint Holdings. That's a digital ID company up 25%. AutoNation, you know them. American Campus Communities. And even old Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Shares there are up 14%. In fact, speaking of Ollie's, many discount stores like an Ollie's, including Target, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, they're seeing a lot of buyers lately. Now, could that be on fear of a slowdown? Maybe. But the macro point of this RBI is that even in the worst markets, there are usually some things that are working. You just got to kind of know where to look. And of course, we are here to help. Take a look at those stocks. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, stocks working to mount a bounce back, including the NASDAQ, following its absolute slacking. Yesterday, Ally Invest Lindsay Bell is here to lay out why it may be a good time to get back into some big tech names. And a reminder about our big CNBC Pro Strategy Session on Monday. We have got four great guests, the heads of the state of Hawaii and Texas Teachers Retirement System, CEO of Thornburg Asset Management and the Chief Global Strategist of Principal Global Investors. That big event, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, live from the Milken Conference in Los Angeles. You cannot afford to miss it. And to register, go to cnbc.com slash pro slash talks. We'll see you there, and we'll see you after this short break. All right, welcome back. It is going to be another busy day for all you investors out there. In just about 90 minutes, you got Boeing reporting their latest quarterly numbers. At 10 a.m. Eastern Time, you got March's pending home sales. And today, more price pressures for consumer. Indonesia beginning its export ban on palm oil. Indonesia is the world's biggest producer and exporter of that type of oil, which, by the way, is the most popular in the world. So you think, why do I care about palm oil? Well, if you eat, or like to cook, you probably care about certain oils like a palm oil, and so food inflation may just get worse. All right, back down to the markets. That's a possible Wednesday whiplash. Stock futures, some good news. They are in the green, pointing to a higher open 
after, of course, Tuesday's big stock sell-off. Joining us now to talk about it and try to make sense of it all is Lindsay Bell, Ally Invest Chief Strategist and CNBC contributor. Uh, Lindsay, yeah, futures are up right now, which I guess is a positive sign. Yesterday, I'm not saying it felt like a flush or a washout, but it certainly was not good. How do you read the current state of the markets? Yeah, um, the market has been quite volatile over the last several sessions, actually. So it's been pretty uncomfortable. But I think what we did see yesterday is that the S&P held a very important technical level, which was uh, 4170. 4100 is the level down that we're looking at that's really strong report, a strong level of support. And what we have seen is the market's been able to hold this level. So as long as we're in that 4170 to 4200 range, I think we can at least be range bound to see to seeing upside. I think just market participants are really grappling with where the market goes next. Is growth slowing? Is the Fed going to be able to to maneuver a soft landing or not? What's happening with the war in Ukraine? What's happening with the, with the, the U.S. dollar strengthening? There's a lot on investors' minds, and it's hard to tell where we go from here. But what I will say is earnings season has been very good so far, although there's been a lot of volatility and whiplashing yeah. in individual securities throughout the earnings season so far. And you probably urge your clients, I would urge our viewers to sit back, step back, take a deep breath, look at how much money they have made over the last number of years. The market has done great. These kind of pullbacks, while painful, maybe aren't the worst thing. But here's I wonder what I wonder, Lindsay, is that the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government have been throwing money at the American consumer and the American economy for a couple of years now. That contributed largely to the gains in stocks probably is almost the entire reason for inflation, if not most of it. They're pulling that away now. So do we fall as much as we gained because of them? You know, it's a great question, Brian, because if you look at the tech sector in in general or individual securities in there, you've seen a round trip. A lot of those stocks, they had a major benefit from from the pandemic, right, and the work from home situation. And now they're back to pre-pandemic levels, which to me doesn't necessarily make sense. So I understand that a lot of demand may have been pulled forward, but growth isn't slowing as as much as many people expect or anticipate. Still, we're moving towards becoming a more digitally connected society. Technology is becoming a bigger part of our lives. So I think that the growth within that space, and we're going to learn more about it this week as as those companies report earnings, is still intact. And so I think when you look at the consumer, they're still very, very healthy from a financial perspective. And you look at information from the Beige Book, you look at leading economic indicators index. Mm -hmm. These are are series that are telling us that the consumer and the economy is still on solid footing and can continue to grow despite these higher levels of inflation and the uncertainty about the Fed. And even though the Fed is going to move quickly, you have to remember that a 2% rate yeah. on the Fed funds rate is, 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 is normal, believe it or not. <laughs> you just wonder if the Fed is going to have to pull back here on all these aggressive expectations because of what's happening with the, with the markets and the consumer down the road, Lindsay. That's the, that's the question. We don't know. Yeah, and the question is, is the market trying to manipulate the Fed, right? Because obviously the market's pricing in big moves and an aggressive Fed right now. But is the Fed going to be able to do it? And if not, then then if the the tone turns dovish, the risk is to the upside, right, Brian? You suggesting the bond market might try to bully the Federal Reserve. Come on, Lindsay. 
he says with just a slight <laughs> bit of snark. Lindsey Bell, Ally Invest, thank you very much. What did James Carville say? When I die, I want to come back as the bond market. And I didn't do the Louisiana accent very well. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Big Day on Worldwide Exchange. Stock futures, they are higher. I'm actually off tomorrow. Be back Friday. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.